0: Well, hello. It's the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. At Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Even easier. A to Z podcast.com. Shouts as always to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks. It's raining out there now, but spring is here. May is here. American Fireworks open 24-7 on AmericanFireworks.com to get you taken care of. Longtime supporters of us. If you're a longtime supporter of us, thank you. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, just be advised. What took you so excited. long,
1: Punk? Where y'all been?
0: <laughs> we get excited. We venture into mature slash immature subjects. We say four letter words. So if that's not for you, if you're in a work environment or if there's kids around, put on your earbuds or come back to A to Z at another time.
1: Andre, how are you, buddy? Really good. I can't complain. The NFL draft is coming gone here in Northeast Ohio. Um, it's good to know all these people still have their Bernie Kosar jerseys that were able to venture out to Cleveland. Um, and really maybe, and I can't believe I'm getting ready to say this, but maybe the end of the, uh, pandemic scene in many eyes happened Thursday night and all from Northeast Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie. Um, I got to tell you that that first night of the draft, we didn't have a baseball game and just sit at home and have the draft on. It was, you know, there was some feeling and then look, I know everybody feels different about stuff and that's your prerogative. And don't tweet me about it. Cause I don't care. Um, it was crazy in one way to see that many people all together. It was scary at first, but it was cool at first to see that we still can do that type of stuff. And it was, and it was kind of cool that it happened in Northeast Ohio.
0: Yeah. So w- with the exception of a, you know, a pre-draft, just getting a look at things, maybe, you know, in the days ahead, I didn't go to the actual draft because my, my job doesn't change. and, I will just say this, what we've said in the two or three times this is brought up, and then I felt it again, you know, watching the shots in in that hour, two hours you were talking about and following on Twitter uh, before it started Thursday. Like, had it been the full show, I wouldn't have missed it. Right. right? Like, just feeling it, seeing it, and seeing the jerseys and the people. Um, (laughs) You know, the NFL did what it had to do. Um, I understand, you know, they're saying, well, we can't have practices and, and we can't have guys gathered in the same way. We're going to in the same draft room. Right. They work together every day, but we can bring 50,000 together. Um, you know, they did the little VIP sections with the fans and all of that. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't know. It's not for me to say, you know, whether it's back or, or whatever. Um, it is – I do think it was a success. You know, I didn't hear anything – Negative. It was good to see Cleveland in the spotlight. I know people that went and felt the energy, the good vibes, the, the, the you know the corner turning, I guess, yeah. if you will. But I, I still just think and I hope that the full shebang comes to Cleveland.
1: Um, it's just such a perfect spot for it. It's I a think. perfect city for it. Yes. Yeah, and and I say that, and I'm not putting anybody down when I say this. It has, it, it did nothing for me. Like I, I was just on the phone with Josh Gribbs and I were just talking about it. And I was like, I, you know, I'm, I like big events. I like the draft, but I didn't see anything. Because like when I saw pictures and everything else, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But it did, wasn't anything that made me go, man, I have got to get down there. And I, you know, like I just, it wasn't. I don't know if I go to a big time event, I want to see a game played. I, could, you know, like I'd rather watch the draft. How I watched the draft. Um, but then in saying that, I'm a parent. I got kids. And if my kids were a little bit older and they wanted to go down there and be around certain parts of it, I could see that. Um, Not the type of event to me. It's just like the, you know, when you had like the baseball or basketball all star game. um, And it's the days before the game, all the festivities, which is cool. And like I said, as a parent, um, you know, it's cool to be able to show them the helmets and show them all, you know, take them by the helmets and all the stuff like that. But for me, just to sit around for four or five hours and watch names be called, not something that, you know, that that blows me away personally.
0: Yeah. So. You know, originally Cleveland was in, in Northeast Ohio. I should say was on the radar for this time frame, 2019 to 21, because of the 100th anniversary. Right, and right it was right. Canton, Cleveland, and you know how it was going to be. I don't know. I, 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 this is not something I would report on with authority, but I think the holdup with the whole project at Canton just shifted it to Cleveland, which is fine anyway. And like I said, mm-hmm. the disappointment was that the initial setup was for that stage to be there or close to there. And then the whole city to be full, not for two portions of it, you know, to be full. So do I envision it all being full and do I envision maybe the last day or the middle day also being, you know, in Canton and it kind of being the whole thing that links all of Northeast Ohio together and people who are no longer travel weary, with, with fewer restrictions, I shouldn't say no restrictions, Right. but like this event that just brings people to everywhere from freaking Dover to Lorraine. Right. Um, for, for the draft and the celebration, it's not going to get any smaller. Now my fear is that when they do it in Las Vegas next year, it's never going to leave.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I think that, you know, I was going to ask you that. And it's, it's the unanswerable question. I'm great at those. Um, <laughs> but you know, will this become a rotating thing? And if it becomes a rotating thing as the Super Bowl. You know, how quickly can Cleveland get it back is what I'm curious of because the Canton part of this is absolutely uh, a part of it. Like, you're right. And I, th- and I think I forgot about that. Canton was supposed to be a big part of this, and they lost out because of the pandemic, and, and it took so long to get things built down there.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, what was I just going to say? I think that ideally, you know, you would involve as much as you can, but I think it's become such a big event, Dre, that it's going to be like the Super Bowl and that it's scheduled six to seven years in advance. So maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, right. I'm thinking Cleveland's next turn is not going to be for a long time. And, th- and that's fine because it's become the scale of event that you do the long-term planning, and it becomes so big that, you know, you need that time, right? And then it becomes special because you only get it. I-, I just think when it's in Vegas and people can go there and they do it right, like it's going to be hard for it to be anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I get it. I, I get that completely. But – you know, I, I say, yes, you're right. But at the same time, I kick back to you and say, bull, nobody has Canton, Ohio, and has the NFL Hall of Fame. And you're right. The second, If they would have came Friday from the NFL Hall of Fame, um, you know, with like a band playing in Cleveland or whatever, there was a way that if you can incorporate being in Canton and Stark County as well, um, there's no other city. And yeah, it's not Las Vegas. Yeah, it's not Tennessee. But there's no other city, and there's no other state city in America could touch the history that you could have having some Hall of Famers, you know, actually pick some picks from the Hall of Fame. You're telling me that wouldn't have been a hit. Um, there's a way to c- combine Stark County and Cuyahoga County and making it great, but it may be 20 years from now by the time they do it again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be that far, but I, I mean, I definitely don't think we're seeing the draft come back in three, two or three years. You know, I right. think it's four to eight because um, lots of places want to do it. You know, and and Green Bay has said, "Hey, we are very much that involved would be- in being." charter city of the nfl we want to do it right and vegas is this brand new frontier which used to carry a stigma and now it doesn't right so the nfl plays there um you know there's thought slash fear in some nfl circles that the combine is going to get moved to la because of that new stadium there and nfl Mm -hmm. networks campus is there so we'll see it's a brand new time i mean it just came out today that this is the last year that thursday night football is going to be on real tv it's it's moving to amazon um, only, and you know, for, for a lot of people, for most people, certainly more than a year or two years ago, that's no, but this marks the whole turn of the new generation, right? The NFL having three official gambling partners marks right. the whole turn of a new generation. Now hosting a, a draft and, and the way you want to do it and you want it to be a big party, you still need a city. You still need a setting. You still need, you know, the full support of that city's government and the people there. I just think when you look at how many NFL cities are drivable to Cleveland. Right. You know, um, that, that the Hall of Fame is 50 miles straight south. That is such a football crazed environment. And, and I know it was cold and rainy for the first night, and you're always going to take that risk. But the thing is, this is this is like the coming out party. Like You get to late April in Cleveland, and people are ready to bust out, even when it's not been a pandemic 13 months. <laughs> right? True. So it's like almost the perfect storm of if it is – 70 and sunny or even 60 and sunny on the last day of the draft, you might set every record that there ever was for draft attendance.
1: No, no doubt. No doubt. We've already done that. We've already gone backwards in how we want to do with this podcast, but that's okay. That's part of who we are.
0: Well, Um, um, the, the, the thing of the
1: weekend is,
0: that the Browns are clearly going to win like 10 of the next 12 Super Bowls. So- well, and
1: that's part. Yeah. And I want to get to that. That's part of the problem. <laughs> and I was going to go right to Jason Lloyd's article like because I've heard what Jason Lloyd and I did not even read the articles, but I've heard like I just see the the um, the title of his is of, of what he wrote. I'm instantly like shaking my head like this is the problem. And I'm not saying Jason is the problem. Um, but before we even get to this, I want to go to something else and we'll bounce back to the draft because I know everybody came to hear what we have to say about the draft. But here is an issue I have. You don't have to answer yet. I know you didn't write it. I can talk to I talked to Jason enough that I can pick my bone with him or we can even put him on this podcast and do it. But the title of his article from I believe today. Yeah, from seven hours ago. No excuses for Joe Woods and Brown's defense after NFL draft. I find that to be highly entertaining. We haven't seen any of these dudes line up and put a uniform on at all. We don't know who can – like, it, this, is, this is why the draft is great and why it's terrible because we jump ahead. Like, we, we basically just jump ahead on all of these guys. Like, we know every one of these players is going to turn out exactly the way we think. When in reality, we know that ain't got a chance in hell of happening.
0: Right. No, and we all do it. Um, we all do. Right. Writers, broadcasters, fans, right? The guy is instantly Ronnie Lott because my team drafted him. Instantly. Like, mm-hmm. day one. Like, why would he even need the
1: preseason, right? Because <laughs> right. he's going to mangle OTAs, the other like, Here is a conversation I was having Thursday night. I got, I'm on a, uh, I'm on a chain text with a Giants fan, my old college roommate, um, a couple Steelers fans, two of my better, two of my best friends, and then my dad is messing with as a Cowboys fan, and when the Cowboys traded back with Phila, with Philadelphia. My buddy Nick, the Giants man, lost it. What the hell is he doing trading with trading within the division? And they're going back and forth. And, and then they took the kid from Miami that had the girl in the pink jumpsuit. And he instantly said, man, Dave Gettleman, you should call the place that you're drafting and ask that kid to show you the room. And as soon as you see somebody in a pink jumpsuit, you don't draft that person. Like, we, like, like I got to say, the aesthetics of... I know it was in Cleveland, and it was cool to have that little VIP room where guys were actually in Cleveland and came back out and came to the stage. It was cool. I still love the element, and even my wife, we love the element of still seeing people at their houses and seeing how they're living in that yeah. house. <laughs> no, um, Listen,
0: this is my point of contention with the draft, and it's become so big that there's no turning back from this either. We are going to have to do the day two and day three all the bullshit with all the ceremonies and the mascots and the ceremonial announcements and all that stuff. And when I know damn well we could just get it out of the way on Thursday, right? Nobody wants to see Kings of Leon play for seventeen goddamn yeah. minutes. Take those two hours for the draft while people are engaged and do all the ceremonies. Then bring out all the old players, hand out all the checks to all the charities and the high school coach of the year and everything else. But there's no turning back from it, Dre, because the NFL has to, you know, puff its chest out. What we want is viewers is people's living rooms, right? Yep. Guys that have yes. been drafted, guys that are about to get drafted, guys that are dressed outrageously, guys that got drafted two hours ago. Show us that NFL. It will be a hundred fucking times better TV than a
1: mascot and
0: a soldier making a fifth round pick
1: announcement. <laughs> yes. All right. We will get back to the draft. And thank you for coming to the A to Z podcast. It's appreciated, truly. Um, but let me ask you this: LeBron James and the LA Lakers are back at it. And as I'm asking this question, and I'm glad we're doing the podcast in a different way, I can actually go look at the standings rather than guess. And I want to say last night when I went to sleep and I was pretty tired, they were like seventh, I believe, uh, in the West. And obviously, they've dealt with some injuries and things of that nature. And I chuckled because, and we all know, Grandpa LeBron is Grandpa LeBron, right? And they, and, and if you listen to this podcast. Uh, no one gives LeBron more greater respect than Zach and Andre because we are just two fat kids from Akron as well. And we understand the depths of what LeBron Ramon James has gone through to get to the point of where he is in life to absolutely run things like nobody else. And the Kang is mad right now because his Los Angeles Lakers are in the sixth seed and the Portland Trail Blazers are tied with them at 36 and 28. And if you've listened to this podcast, we've talked about the ills and the well, really the pros and the cons of the play in tournament that Adam Silver's trying to incorporate. Is it fair, Zachary Jackson, that the L that the 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 NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers, could possibly, as they're riding a three game losing streak, I believe six games are left they could possibly have to play in the play end game is that fair and are you surprised that it took Le- LeBron Ramon James this long to bitch about it and would he be bitching about it if there was a chance his ass had to play in it
0: well um, isn't LeBron prominently involved in the players association yeah I think so um, isn't the playing tournament collectively bargained I believe so yep so there's two whiny assholes from Akron on this podcast and he makes three <laughs> his audience is a little bit bigger yeah his platform's a little bit bigger um you know he's done more good deeds in the last three months than we've done in our 86 years on this earth combined and that's fine um you know he he understands i like i said i was long asleep and i wouldn't watch the nba at this time of year anyway regardless of I what's happening right um I told you a couple of weeks ago that I didn't – that I loved the concept of the play-in tournament, but I didn't – I thought four teams was too much, right? Mm-hmm. And when you get down to the 10th team, it's no different. However, one thing I overlooked in saying that was the drama involved with trying to avoid it. And I think that's a part of – you know what, why would people be watching – like if you're a Knicks fan, you're watching the NBA right now because you've been waiting. It's just, it's just for like sure the Browns. You've been waiting for this, right? You wouldn't miss a fucking play. Um, You know, if you are a team that legitimately is on the rise, like the Washington Wizards, right, hasn't been there, and you're playing every night, your team's fun, and you're fighting for your playoff lives, and you don't care if you get killed if you get there. You just want to make sure you get there. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you might never see these two cats, Beal and Westbrook, together. But, like, otherwise, like, this is the drama. This is what they want. It has to be interesting. It has to mean something. That is the number one gripe with the NBA. It's not competitive for seven months. The season's too long. There's so few teams that can realistically win it that there's just little reason when Christmas passes and the trade deadline passes to get excited until the games count. Well, here we have this. I mean, I understand he doesn't want to play, and he, he thinks that they've earned that and that they're only in this spot because those guys missed this time. But they collectively bargained this, and they collectively – and they signed up for this season, which was too much too soon, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So who are that you money? mad at, Who are you at? Right. No, because you know what it's like. This is just like us sitting around uh, at, a, at a local bar, and you know, and we put a stupid rule in our fantasy draft. But, you know, the Swenson boys, the, the galley boys, think, ain't no way in the hell that's going to happen to us, right? Yeah. <laughs> And and you, you vote on like a ruling and you're like, sure, you can have two kickers, you know, like something stupid like that. And then all of a sudden you look three months later and the two kickers are going to kill you and you're bitching about it. You can't, that's too late.
0: I can't, I didn't know where you were going, but you're so spot on. You're so spot on. You,
1: if you agreed to the rules, these are the rules for everybody and you don't think it's going to apply to you, but, but it does. Right, and that's exactly you know that's exactly you know how you sit around those stupid drafts Sunday mornings at eight in the morning, and people are like, "Well, we should have three flexes," or we should, and you're like, "Whatever, I'm gonna kick your ass anyway," you know. And then suddenly you're like, "How did we let this dude get the two best flexes?" And we got to deal with this now. I mean, LeBron, this is what it is, and you know what? Here's the other thing, and I haven't watched a ton of NBA either um, uh, recently. And I'll, and I think both of us, once the playoffs start, and you get into the depths of who's. I mean, uh, the kid down in Dallas has had some phenomenal games. I love what the Phoenix Suns have become. You made a great point about Westbrook. I haven't watched the Westbrook Bill game all the way through, but they're a hell of a combination together. I don't, you know, I don't know if they can win anything. Utah had a great run. Denver, I'm disappointed because I really thought Denver was going to make a run, especially when they traded for Gordon. Um, but they lost Murray, who I actually like watching play. Um, there are there's some storylines is, you know, and Curry has is, is played well with the Warriors. Uh, John Moran is fun with the Grizzlies. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, they have two young bucks that, that, that are fun to watch at times. This part is for joy. The Sacramento Kings can score and run and hate each other like no other team. They are the Cleveland Browns circa uh, 2005 of the NBA. They're a complete um, catastrophe off the court. Um, but NBA overall, I mean, this is weird to say, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. Best thing they may have going on May 2nd, Zach, is LeBron Ramon, James pitching about the playoff situation because it will make the casual fan actually look up what the hell is going on.
0: And then so that that came after a game that they lost to the Raptors, who I believe are bad, right?
1: Yes. The Raptors are 27 and 38. Yes. Well, now <laughs> they
0: have a back to back tonight and he's sitting. Yes. and Oh, it's ugly. Uh-huh.
1: Hey, Lowry was playing like it was. He was trying to make up for the finals and every other game he lost to LeBron over the last decade. Last night. Oh man, um, yeah. Right, let me let me get this cap off. Pop this cap off real quick, and I'll uh, give Joe Varden a pound through the uh, through the air. The Cleveland Cavaliers should be ashamed of themselves after what has happened with Andre Drummond, Kevin Porter, uh, J.R. Soup Smith. Um, you, 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 when you, when you buy into being a owner of an NBA franchise and you're willing to dole out money, hand over foot and overpay guys to play a game, a silly game, right? All these guys, no matter what sport, everybody's getting overpaid for sports, even myself. Um, and thank God. But when you buy into being a leader or owning one of these teams or running one of these teams, you've kind of bought into the ridiculousness and accepting of it. And I love anybody that wants to beat upon them chest, their chest, as a leader of an organization, and say, um, you know, hey, the Cavs, heck, when they traded, this goes, hey, this, this, this cuts deep on me. Ron Harper was one of my favorite players of all time, and it absolutely destroyed me when the Cleveland Cavaliers traded him for Danny Ferry. Destroyed me, cut deep. But at the time, the Cavaliers and Wayne Embry was told basically to tell us, and we know now because it's years and years later. It cuts deep, though, because we were told at the time that the Cavaliers wanted to have not choir boys, but they want to be good boys. They want to be good guys. They did not want guys um, that p- potentially were, were putting, you know, were, were around bad people. Right. That was kind of how they put it. And there's rumors and in window and you can kind of read other story. One of the story, the story, the Cavs have let out, you know, the people from that era have let out is that Ron Harper supposedly was hanging out with drug dealers and people like that. There's others that he was messing with certain people's daughters. Who knows? It happens. It's an NBA. It's fantastic. Can all I get kinds. D all the above? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> he said it, not me. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything personal against Kevin Love, Zach. I don't. Um, I have my own stories that I could tell about him that will have A, B, C, and D later on in 20 years if I'm doing this podcast or you're doing this podcast that I could tell other stories, but it's not my place to tell right now. I'll tell the stories that we see. Um, you can't try to hold yourself. look, the Cavs are a bad organization right now because they're losing. Like, when you're a losing franchise, that's you, you, that's just it is what it is. And I'm not, de- you know, deflating them. They gave us a, they gave us a uh, they gave us one of the biggest uh, parades of all time, according to uh, Lima. Um, and, it, and it was a phenomenal run that they had. And and Dan Gilbert sold his soul and gave every dime that he had. Uh, that he took because he was giving you killer mortgages so we could have a parade. And I appreciate that. But to sit here and to, to spit in our face and say that it's rain and say that, you know, that Kevin Love is a great leader and all this other malarkey that they're throwing out there is bullshit. What he did last week was complete disrespect to the team, to the league, and to every standard that they want to stand by. And if you have a problem with Kevin Porter getting mad because you moved his locker and acting like a 20-year-old immature little kid that he is and that you knew that he was when you spent millions of dollars to get him on your team and you run him out of town for basically nothing, how can you stand for letting Kevin Love go back out in the court the next night? And then the next night when he goes out in the court, he doesn't take a shot in 22 seconds, 22 minutes. You have given a bad contract to a guy that doesn't want to be here anymore. And I don't blame him for not wanting to be here. But you cannot condone what he's doing and think that you're helping your young guys grow. That's not leadership. It's a and, and that's the Cavs right now in 2021. They're a rudderless ship, just b- bouncing off and down and hoping they catch something with two little guards that are getting better. But when but if Kevin Love is is a cornerstone of and reflection of positivity and leadership, you ain't going nowhere far. If anything, you're gonna have a pulled muscle and, and miss 20 games first. It's embarrassing that they've run the guys that they've run out of here. And they allow that guy to go back on the court the next night. And then he doesn't even take a shot. You ain't Kobe. And Kobe took a lot of heat for doing that. But it's Cleveland. And we had the draft. Nobody even noticed it. That's your biggest problem. Cleveland Cavaliers. Nobody even noticed that he pulled that bullshit
0: Yeah, to have no punishment. um, Pretty ridiculous. And look, um, I hate talking about other guys' money, right? Even when it's the athletes and even when it's published. But Kevin Love has stolen money from the Cavaliers, Dre. He has. Butch Davis stole money from the Cleveland Browns. Mike Holmgren stole money from the Cleveland Browns. And Kevin Love has stolen money from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. A, a lot of that is not his fault. You'd sign that contract too. Great. But in living up to your end as a professional and giving your best effort and being there, nah, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It's embarrassing. And I, I can't disagree with anything you said. I can't, I can't add to it either. Um, I, you know, I just, it's embarrassing. And I, I don't, you know, I would say this. Kevin Porter is what you sign up for. There's a reason you got him there and you're going to ride that wave. Right. At the other end, it's what you sign up for when you give a guy guaranteed money. And there's no There's no way to discipline him or consequence it, right? Okay, so you find him five hundred thousand dollars. He doesn't care,
1: right? Yeah, they find him a thousand dollars last year. That's like finding you and I a, a galley burger and five dollars.
0: Yeah, a, a nickel that's in the bottom of my uh, below and my seat in your
1: car somewhere yes. that I'm sure I can find.
0: Yeah, oh, you can, oh man, you could pay for vacation with the change in there. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, I mean, it's just embarrassing. And look, look, the Cavs are barely a blip in in the in the local media's. I mean, the draft is going on. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. It's just, there's one person that cares, but he puts you to sleep on the radio Monday through Friday. You can figure out what time he's on. But um, <laughs> Cav- <laughs> I got to laugh at my own jokes. I feel like Zach Jackson. I feel good. <laughs> Indians had, a, Indians had a good weekend, actually. And then we'll get back to the draft. I know you didn't pay any attention to no, it. No, I just, I just didn't. Um, it's you know, just... yeah, baseball's going through a funny thing right now. Well, it's not funny, actually. Um, guys are getting smoked. I don't know if you saw the hit that uh, a kid in Philadelphia took in the face there's a, lot of pitchers we, there's a lot of pitchers that I'm noticing that are up in the big leagues right now that throw really hard and have no idea where the ball is going. And it's a little bit scary, to be completely honest. And we are at the age, this is weird to say, because I didn't even think I was going to bring up baseball. But I want to ask you this in the best way I can. And I know there's a lot of listeners that will probably have an answer to this and tweet me and tell me. But um, you've kind of made it clear what your thoughts and feelings are on baseball. You love the game you love listening to hammy on a boat with a, with a drink in your hand more um, because of the storytelling and because hammy's hammy. And he, and I mean, that's a beautiful thing that the Indians have with their broadcasting is that, um, and I'm saying it's not as one of them, but just saying this, I know that if I wasn't on them, I, you know, I can listen to hammy pretty much talk about anything and I do most days. And the things I hear him talk about, I could never talk about on this podcast or in front of any mic. Cause we would all lose our jobs. um, But baseball is going through and I don't have the numbers in front of me and I don't got to nerd it up. But strikeouts are at an all-time high. The amount of hits are the same. Um, I love the game, so I'm not here belittling the game, Zach. But I'm curious from someone that like you that you're just a sports fan, right? Um, you got a cousin that's played, but ba- you love baseball. You've been around baseball a lot. Most people don't know that. You've got, you have got one of your best friends as a coach. His dad's a legendary coach in good old Manchester. Um, he taught me some cuss words at a young age that I still don't. I'm not allowed to say in front of people. Um, where are you with just like, a, like, like if you were randomly at a sports bar in Charlotte, would you be able to watch a nine inning baseball game?
0: No, no, um, not a regular season game. No, um, you know, do I follow the Indians? Do I care? Yes. Do I? Well, the day after the draft is the wrong time to ask me if I have I an idea of what's going on in the league as a whole, because I don't. Right. Um, two weeks okay. from now, might I? Sure, because there's nothing else going on in sports, right?
1: Um, do this. From, do this. From, compare a game from like 1999 to today. Like, what? You, just in general, is there anything? Well, to okay. Change?
0: Well, I would say this. I can't wait to go to a game, but it's not really for baseball reasons, right? And if I have to wear a mask the whole time, I'm probably staying home.
1: Nobody's, I mean, <laughs> nobody's wearing masks. Okay.
0: Places. And I get that. I, I, I guess that.
1: I mean, some are. But, but what know. I'm
0: saying is like every single summer, we whether it's my friends and we take the kids or whatever, like we go to Pittsburgh for a game. And the Pirates have been bad for a long time. But beautiful it's a quick state. trip over there. You know, you go in, the stadium beautiful. You're at the ball game, right? You're sitting outside. You're having a beer. You're BSing. You intently watch two innings. You semi-intently watch some other innings. If we take the kids, we stay. If not, we're out in the sixth inning, right? I said, like, the casinos next door went, put $10 on Josh Bell to hit a home run. Josh Bell hit a home run. You know, the Panini sandwich costs more than the ticket on Josh Bell and the ticket to get in. A great day was had by all, right? Right. Uh, Of the last five times I've gone to Indians games, I haven't made it in the stadium. but, (laughs) But all but one of those was intentionally, right? So, you know... I, I i I love to follow it I love to listen to it, and if they're playing and i'm driving i'm I'm listening but yeah i I'm not investing like real commitment or real care of any kind right
1: yeah no I know and i I get it I guess we're just at that age because the game is um it's still a great game, but I think it bores a lot of people I don't think that it just doesn't have the action of, of football it doesn't have the action of basketball. And I think some of the rules and just some of the way the game is, the way the game is played is not exciting. There, I said it. <laughs> it's just, and it should be. It should be exciting, but we've turned into a game of home runs, strikeouts, or walks. I mean, we're, I mean, and, and we're trying to be honest on it in our broadcast. We said to people the other night, we went 35 minutes, man, without any action. Like, you know, with the ball being in play. That's not fun to go watch, in, in my opinion. Like, I, and I, we're doing our best to, as broadcasters, trying to paint pictures and tell stories and to keep people involved and, and, and tell stories about the players and, and things like that. But the game is in a weird place and I don't know how to fix it. Like, I'm not sitting here and I used to be one of those people on the radio or, and say, well, don't make Don't don't come up with the problem if you don't have something to fix it. I don't know how to fix it. And that's why I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm saying it out loud. The game is at a weird place right now and it's still a great game. The guys are still unbelievably talented, but when you go, I don't care what it is. You go 20, 25 minutes straight where you don't have any action in the field. That's not a fun game to watch or play. To be completely honest on Saturday, Tristan McKenzie, who's, who has a great chance to be a really productive baseball player and be a fun, he's, he's what baseball needs. He's a great kid comes from a great family um, got a great story to tell, wants to be is a good person and wants to be a good person and a leader. Um, but probably because of the pandemic and not getting probably 200 plus innings that he needed down in the minor leagues. We're watching him kind of grow up in the big leagues in the first inning against the White Sox. A really the leading you know scoring team in the AL strikes out the side on Saturday, comes out in the second inning, strikes out two. Then he walks three guys, walks a run in and then gives up a grand slam that's not fun. That's not exciting baseball. And he gave up the grand slam to one of the most exciting players in the game and Tim Anderson, the shortstop for the white Sox, a kid that grew up playing basketball, wanting to be Michael Jordan his whole life. And until he, he was in Mississippi, Alabama and until someone told him, Hey man, you're only going to be six, two, six, three. You ain't going to be Michael Jordan. Why don't you pick up a bat? Kid picked up a bat and became a first round pick and has become a baseball star. We need more stories like that in baseball because Tim Anderson and, and Tristan McKenzie, are kids that can pull people in that want to actually watch the game. But when they watch what was on display on Saturday, I don't see many kids playing AAU basketball like McKenzie were, were 10 years ago, like Tim Anderson was 10 years ago and going, I want to be Tim Anderson. I want to be Tristan McKenzie. I don't know how to fix that, but they need more Tristan McKenzie's and Tim Anderson is my point.
0: Yeah. Listen, I know about Tim Anderson. Um, I don't know what he looks like. Like this has long been my contention. With baseball, right? Like, I need to see these guys more. And it, obviously, you make personal choices, but like, even if I did wake up and watch Sports Center every morning like I did 25 years ago, do I see Tim Anderson? I don't think so.
1: Well, only if he hits a home run or makes an error, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, when you watch Sports Center every day, Tim Anderson would have been one of your favorite players. And I think we're looking at it as 40-year-old dudes that have got all kinds of you're, – you're picking up dog crap in the morning. I'm trying to teach oh, – all She's biting the
0: shit out of my toes as we do this podcast right now.
1: So That's kinky to some people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I love baseball. I love my job. Um, but there's some frustration with it because the game could be so much better. And you made a good point. I mean we've we've made the point for for years that Mike Trout could walk down the middle of the street and most people wouldn't even know who it was. Yeah. That 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 to me is what they
0: they need to overcome because I, I think listen a lot of people don't sit there and in, in, in me included in the regular season watch a whole NBA game. You know right. I think the NFL is easier to do that because your team only plays one game, one uh, game a course, week. But like I don't know, do a lot of people really watch four quarters of Sunday night football and Thursday night football? No, I just think those the NFL stars and the NBA stars are a lot more out there. Than, than baseball stars. And, They're and a lot like
1: attainable is the word you want to use, right? They're yeah, attainable.
0: You know, and, and some of it is like organic too. I mean, Trevor Bauer is a star star. Um he's a turnoff to some people. Now, it's it's 100% great that he's 100% authentic, but a lot right. of people just don't want to listen to him. Right? No. No, it's a
1: good point. It's um good point.
0: I think this Tatis kid is a is like a way to change that. Like he is big Right. And he is brash and he is young and he hits homers and he talks shit. Right. So, like, not everybody's that, but I think he could be a mega, mega, mega star. Like, all right. You you never want to get certain groups mad at you, and soccer people is certainly one of them. But (laughs) many years ago, when I worked for the Browns, the U.S. men's national team was playing at Brown Stadium. So, we were sent to practice to, uh, they call it training. We were right. sent to practice to uh, <laughs> to do a website video to try to sell tickets for this game, right and listen I, I, I love big time soccer. I don't love the sport but I love big time soccer dating back to being a kid watching the World Cup in the summer because there's nothing the World Cup is one of those things that jumps off the TV to you as a big event right um, and you know and then every year. Or every four years you would hear, oh, soccer's about to take off in the US. And that dates back now exactly well, twenty-seven years, and it's only done so a little bit, right? But my point is, Dre, when I was there that day, to watch them go through the drills and watch like how hard that thing was screaming and some of the things they were able to do wow. with their it, it was unreal. But then to interview the dudes and they all came over and they were all five foot eight, I just said this. Like they can do things and and they're like the 20th best team in the world, but they can do things that we can't, but us as people that sit at home and view through our laptops and our phones, like if the guy doesn't look like LeBron, we think we can do that. Right. Right. Like we, we do. And you know, like I know a lot of good, like, I don't know. Deacon tells me all the time that you, you and Jose Ramirez are twins. I don't know how big <laughs> he is, but like he's not five ten, right? No. Yeah, and I mean that doesn't have anything. But you know what I'm trying to say no, is like. I do. But it's funny.
1: It's funny. Bigger, you say faster,
0: that. stronger sells because you're selling the mythology of these guys, yes. specifically to little kids. Yeah, you're that's, I, that's the soon. word I was looking for.
1: Yeah, oh, no, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's funny you say that though. Everything you said about Tatis is Tim Anderson too. You know, mm-hmm. plays in Chicago. Like I said, six two, six three. He is a star. Uh, legit, well, you know, it's funny you said this, and then we can get into the draft. I don't even know. I didn't even plan on talking about this, but I'm glad we did. Uh, this baseball minute was brought to you by nobody. At some <laughs> point, <in> time. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that, because and this is I'll lead and I'll end with this. And Deke, here's my middle finger. I'll be calling you soon. I need you for something else after yesterday's game. Jose Ramirez, who was in the last four years, three of those last four years. He's been top three in the MVP voting. And if you were top three in MVP voting in the the NFL or NBA, you will be considered a legitimate, bona fide, super duper star. Am I right? Correct. Yesterday, someone asked Tito after the game, after Jose hit another big home run at an appropriate time, about him. And Tito finally just said it. He said he's one of the best players in baseball. I'm just glad the rest of the world outside of Cleveland is seeing it. He's a superstar. He's one of the best players. He goes, he, he's one of the smartest. He prepares himself. He's got talent. And he knows how to use it. And he's and he, he's a superstar. And he goes, I'm glad people outside of Cleveland are just figuring it out. Think about that. That a guy that was number two in the MVP voting last year uh, was third. Twice, two years previous to that, that his manager, who's been around forever, who's a Hall of Fame manager, had to say that in Chicago yesterday, because finally, for four days in a row, people in Chicago and around Cleveland are going, man, how's this Ramirez kid do this? And finally, his manager had to say he's one of the because he's one of the best. And you're right. He's a five, eight pudgy uh, little little Dominican guy that walks around like George Jefferson, who (laughs) I call George Jefferson at times. (laughs) Cue the music. (laughs) (laughs) Move it on up, move it <laughs> on up through the east side, and I am working on getting a pool table uh, in his in his in his uh, living room. Um, so I think that says it all that when you got Terry Francona I have to say, "I am glad the rest of the baseball is figuring out that he's a superstar," and it's not like it's Jose Ramirez in his twenty fifteen; it's twenty twenty one. Dude's been doing it for six years. Yeah, look, look, we could go
0: on for this too. You know, I think part of it is baseball does just fine. Baseball's still big in a lot of the big cities, right? And it baseball's audience is fine. You know, is there maybe some resentment from that audience? Is there worry from the TV people who control all the money that it's, you know, been passed and isn't going to change in future generations by the other two sports? Maybe, you know, I mean, hockey is clearly for right in the in the in the realm. And it's still huge in Canada. It still sells to a point, right? Like it still sells out arenas in, in different cities in the U.S., you know, um, you, you, you don't have to. Everything's not about being the biggest, best, highest rated. Right. Like you could still do fine. I think. Right. I think the pandemic, we were worried if some baseball teams were going to exist, but they all do. Right. Yeah,
1: you're right. Like,
0: you're right. I, I think that's fine. And, and it's healthy. Um, You know, the the parity, the, the lack of parity, the co- the competitiveness, I think, you know, is an issue. And then keeping people engaged when the team in their area, their city, their neighborhood sucks um, for very long or just, you know, can't compete with the Dodgers or whomever. Um, th- those are issues, but yeah. the show goes on. The show right?
1: definitely goes on. You're right, and, and, we can, and we can end on that. Hey, Indians start a big four-game series tonight in Kansas City. Um, should be fun. Kansas City's in first place. Uh, the Indians are, I don't want to say, three and a half behind them. Uh, I thought it was a big weekend winning two out of three versus – the white Sox and look, the Indians are going to be around 500. They got three and a half starting pitchers right now. And I think that that's part of the, di- the deal. Um, let's go back to the draft and let's go back particularly to what the Cleveland Browns did. If you listen to this podcast, we've had multiple discussions about the draft. And I think one of the questions that we both asked each other about three weeks ago, knowing the Browns would have the 26 pick and probably not trade out of it because of where they stood. And we've talked about the other thing we've talked about with this, with the draft um is that teams like Baltimore Pittsburgh you can name the teams that always pick in the, the late 20s mid 20s they always seem to have the best drafts because they never reach they always get players that fit their system and fit who they are and the browns finally had an opportunity to do that and when they said and as soon as the 25th pick was made i i think i blurted it out loud it's going to be greg newsom uh, we kind of said that on this podcast uh, we amongst ourselves i don't think either one of us was shocked when greg newsom's name was called but still, kind of exciting for it to kind of work out that way, in my opinion. I know I beat up on Jason Lloyd for saying that there's no excuses or whatever, and, I, and that's a bad headline. Um, we all do that the day after the draft. But I gotta say, the just Greg Newsom draft pick just it, it, well, it almost felt weird because it felt so right. Let me start. Does that make but, sense? I,
0: I, let me let me say this. I mean, the draft is the supplement to it, but the Browns are going to have nine defensive starters new, so Newsom might not even be one of them. I think the point was adding Newsom and adding JOK to what they already
1: had added means there's no excuses for Joe Woods. Right? Ah, but see, but see, I would say in that is the false is the falsity of it.
0: Well, hang you put on, nine hang new hang people, on. you put the Browns absolutely. Wait, the draft wait, 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 let me out say
1: because I was going to say this. Let me say this. You put nine new people together. You have no idea how that's going to work. You have no idea what the what the, well, they're what not
0: all. They're not all new. Like one of them. Is Jacob Phillips, who just his, his the start to his rookie year kept getting derailed. You know, one of them is Jordan Elliott, who who was in the program. One of them is Andrew Billings, who was supposed to be in the program. He chose to opt out.
1: Was well, it still makes the point? Nine new people does not mean that you don't know what the, how that's going to come together. Well, you're, like, you're right. Making you're the right. Point. But that's let me say this.
0: Saying. Let me let me say this. The Browns got A's across the board, and I couldn't imagine a scenario where I would give them anything less than that. I thought. They use trades masterfully. I thought they, they fit players that fit their profile. That They pick players with athletic upside. They fit players that make sense for playing special teams or being a backup this year, and then you never know how it's going to go, especially when you're in the all-in phase, right? There, there's no arguing that. I did see one tweet that said three teams made themselves Super Bowl contenders this weekend, the Browns, the Dolphins, and the Chargers. And even if those aren't the three, it's close to that. And I thought that is the biggest load of bullshit because you do not draft any one person – it makes you an instant Super Bowl contender. No, no, no. Now, if Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance is is the next Pat Mahomes, then that changes, right? But the Niners were already theoretically a contender anyway, and Trey's not supposed to even start. So that's what you have to balance. Like, the Browns drafted well, the Browns run well, are run well, and they have a plan, and you absolutely should stick your chest up about that and be excited. You absolutely should not think JOK is Ronnie Lott on day fucking one. Greg Newsome, you should absolutely be rooting him for not to not have to start day one because he will get the ball thrown at him every single time (laughs) the exact same way that Greedy Williams did two years ago. Because that's what you do to a rookie corner, even if he's the greatest who ever lived. He was an easy one to diagnose, guys. We know what this Browns front office values. Here was a corner from Northwestern, in all caps, He ran four three seven. He was six foot. He checked all the boxes. Of course, he was going to be the pick at twenty
1: six. Right. right? Right. Well, let me, uh, That right. was let not me. a
0: bold prediction.
1: Yeah, that, um, that was an easy
0: one. That, well, yeah, it ask, was much easier to predict okay. the weather on draft. You know, or that was <laughs> as
1: easy as predicting the weather
0: on draft night.
1: Well, let me ask you this about JOK though. I, I, it's cra- and I get why a fa- as a fan you should be excited about this draft pick. I think you Dane Brugler used the word intrigued. I mean, I used to buy all those magazines. I used to, to get uh, Dane Bruegler's stuff. I, I still look at Danes. I love Dane. And on one hand, and I text you as soon as it happened, and I and I and I was like, why the hell did he drop this far? Because every every expert, quote unquote, told me this kid was a top fifteen talent. And I remember watching him; he was all over the place. Um, you can text. I mean, what is he? I guess is the question.
0: Well, he's a weak side linebacker and, you know, how much base defense do you play? I don't know, but he's one of your two linebackers in your nickel.
1: Okay. Yeah. So he you you but think, and and this isn't a bad thing. So I want to say that first. Could you imagine 15 years ago drafting in the second round a nickel dime linebacker, in the 52nd pick in the draft?
0: Um, probably not, but that's that's how that's the, game the game has come.
1: Right. right? And with the quarterback, you've got to play twice a year in this league and with Kansas City. And look, yes. the thing I'll say is I felt like Andrew Barry and crew drafted knowing that they're no longer trying to be better than the Bengals. If you really want to be a, a perennial playoff team, you have to think about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Right. That's what these right. draft picks said to me. Speed, speed, speed. We got to keep up with the speed teams.
0: No, that, that's right. And how you have to play defense uh, is totally different against those two teams. But listen, that that's why you keep adding to your defense, Dre. When you pick a left guard, he's a left guard. When you pick a running back, he's a running back. I mean, Kareem Hunt can do some other things, but he's a running back, right? Like, in today's game, you pick these guys and you say they can do this, this, and this. Like, he, JOK played some slot corner at Notre Dame. If you really believe he's going to do that in the NFL, then you're fucking stupid and I can't talk to you to start with. But <laughs> can he line up at safety? Can yes. he be a safety in personnel packages? Can he do certain things? One one day, shadow Lamar Jackson in a package. Another day, just guard a tight end all day long? Yes. So that's why you want it, right? Do you train Greg Newsome to be outside starting cornerback? You know, yes. Could he eventually play in the slot? Will he need to? Could he eventually track a receiver and you double another one, you know, all these things can you get up and press people the way you want to play defense. Sure. So you have to have that versatility. You have to have, you have 15 starters on defense in today's game, right? Yes. Maybe maybe even 16. So you have to have a number of guys who can do those things because the game is evolving. Game plans are evolving. By the time you play these guys in December and January, you're not going to have all your dudes. You need to ask people to do certain things. And too many times last year, obviously no lead was safe. We all know that. We watch the games. But too many times last year, they just had to sit back in certain coverages because they didn't have the manpower. And so that's why you go get John Johnson and Troy Hill and Greg Newsome. And now they're okay. And you say, okay, now we have the manpower. Sure, there's times we have to sit back. And sure, there's times we're just going to put Denzel up on on the best receiver and take Absolutely. our chances there because Denzel's that good. But now we have the ability to do all these different things that we couldn't do last year. And, and I didn't it's, even mention Clowney, who's played all right, over
1: the field. Right, But so you just said – okay, but you just said that's so much better than the headline, there's no excuses for Joe Woods. Joe Woods was coaching with two hands tied behind his back last year. Joe Woods, when he was at his best, had what, eight? and I'm exaggerating a tad, he had like eight first-round defensive linemen <laughs> like when he was yeah. in San Francisco. Right. I mean, I, I just I, – the hyperbole that we go with just kills me sometimes. It's like, okay, he can coach. He can mix and match. That doesn't mean that next year, suddenly in six months, they're suddenly going to be the 86 Bears. They should be better. Absolutely. But just in saying what you're saying, he, he finally has some ingredients to try to cook something up is what I'm saying. Because as you said, you have versatility. Now you think certain guys can line up and do certain things. You think you can cover tight ends a little bit better. Um, you hope that your pass rush will be better because of those guys, but you don't know until you put all these guys in a room and see how it all works. So I just cringe when I read this because not because of who's writing it, but because of who's reading it and who will be tweeting at me and you on September 30th. Well, look,
0: <laughs> all we've ever wanted for this podcast was for the Browns to be good, right?
1: For sure. <laughs> for, sure. for sure.
0: And they're good. Um, yes, they are. We won't know for months. Great, really good, awesome, but one fatal flaw. Um, disappointing, but the talent's still there. We, we don't know because you have to see the games and seasons have to unfold, right? And like... There's one Miles Garrett in the whole universe. There's one Nick Chubb in the whole universe. There used to only be one Eldo Beckham in the whole universe, and he's coming back,
1: <laughs>
0: right? Like, we'll see how this goes. But like I've been saying, I'm not arguing with any A draft grades. I'm not even telling you to press the brakes because it's just further example that you finally have adults in charge. But yes. the Browns play in September, guys. So, <sighs> <laughs> <Do> you- right. <laughs>
1: Right. I, I, you were look, third, I mean, they were in third place last year. So. <sighs> you wouldn't know. I, you're right. And, and you're right. They I got right.
0: incredible experience last year by going through what they managing unprecedented situation, but but being up against it to where they played their ass off against Baltimore. They didn't win. They still needed to win two or three down the stretch. And they had a game they couldn't win because they didn't have their guys. Right. Like they had to manage ups, downs, personnel issues. You know, teams coming at you in different ways. They handled everything. They handled it great. Like They did. They big, really did. Big time experience. And then the guys in charge got to evaluate who was there. Nine new defensive starters is not by accident because those guys weren't good enough. <laughs> right? Right. Um, Sheldon Richardson, obviously the one exception. They felt to make that move that's a little bit risky. Sounds like he might be back, guys. Nah, I don't. I don't think so. Yo, like, don't, he said, nah. Molly, shut up, Jesus. Um, <laughs> like we, we're almost done. We, she's been so good. Uh, look, like guys know, and it affects them when they you know like, they're being. <laughs> when they know they're truly are, I'm sorry. Right? You, truly are chubby, yes. right?
1: you truly are chubby, grossy. Yes. Now you got the dog barking. I'm keeping the bad cell phone, and you're nuts. right dead on. <laughs> <away. laughs> <laughs> Go
0: ahead, I'm sorry. Guys know when they're about to be replaced, and we know that there's a lot of guys on the team right now that probably won't be here in a year. Right? Yeah. And the, and that number slides up the more guys they sign to extensions. Right? Yes. Um, When you look, Austin Hooper's contract looks real bad. He knows it. Everybody knows it. David Njoku's playing for his next job. Well, we've seen how that's gone before. So. But I'll say this from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. We still have to see the defense do it. But to me, like this roster is really good, really really good. And so, or can you handle the spotlight and the expectations better than you did two years ago? And then it just comes down to performing in in, in those spots, right? Like last year, they they forced turnovers, they scored touchdowns, like that's how you win. You know, they got big game experience. So in those in those big moments. Do you get seven instead of three? Do you catch the interception instead of dropping it? Do you make the field goal? Do you not jump off sides on fourth and one? All those things. (laughs) They were the worst fourth down defense in the league. They still won 11 games. Yeah. If they're middle of the pack in fourth down defense, they might win 13 games. You know, I don't know. Like, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But you have to really, 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 really really like what Andrew Berry has done. And you have to say
1: better not run for twenty two yards this time. (laughs) Say for
0: defense, they're much more equipped to get off the field and protect those big leads than they were last year.
1: Absolutely. All right. Um, my favorite pick for the Browns maybe Anthony Schwartz. You and I had a long debate about taking a receiver, and I kept saying I just want one speed receiver, just one guy that. And he may not even be a receiver. He may be more of a gadget, and it's a third round pick. Um, the, I, the people I was around when they drafted him, they looked at me like I was crazy because I called it. I go, this is when you take a speed receiver. Um, it's, some people say he runs a 4-2. Um, I know one. Of, I know the color analyst on the radio feed has always told me for over 20 years that he hates any time. No, I shouldn't say it. He's not big on Auburn players, but that's nor here nor there. <laughs> that's That goes for his whole career. Um, I think getting a guy like that, it, it's a wild card. Um, there's no... There's no number you can put upon it. There's no pressure on this kid. Um, it's a little bit like the the druggie that your boy wanted a couple years ago that can't stay in the league and keeps getting thrown out. Speed is a special thing to have when you can if you can use it the right way. And Anthony Schwartz, if if he gets over the hurdles of learning the plays and not getting hurt in training camp, of just staying out of the way, he could be a player that takes an offense that has a chance to be a, a, you know a, an A minus offense. He could turn him into a special offense in 15 snaps a game uh, with the stuff that they could use him with. Um, look, we don't run block like no one. And I say we I'm just saying in the game. You don't run block like you used to run block by putting in a 245 pound middle uh, fullback and lining up and, and you tighten up the splits with the offensive lineman and banging away at the, at, through the a gap. Now you do it with the speed, you know, with the speed motion, take the safety, take the linebacker, take the nickel linebacker, make him go on the outside shoulder of a, of a guard or a tackle. And then you try to surprise him up the middle. Well, if you don't have a speed guy that when he goes in motion, that other teams respect, then you don't have, you can't get that gap anymore. Um, with the player you brought up here. Hey, The tight ends should love having Anthony Schwartz too, because all that he does is suddenly make those two safeties or the extra safety stay five more yards off the ball, further back off the ball and gives you a chance to let Odell do what he does. Jarvis do what he does. And if you don't respect it, he goes over the top and makes the quarterback run around slide and take pictures that are fake. Um, that to me you need that element in this game. You need to be able to score from anywhere on the field. I mentioned Kansas City already. I mentioned hey Buffalo has that has that ability as well even though their offense can be a little weird at times and barely have a running game. So mine was uh Schwartz. I know the James Hudson uh selection surprised some people but I loved getting depth at the offensive line. That's how good teams uh su- su- survive. I don't know what Tommy Toga is going to be in the in, in the NFL but I know I liked him at Ohio State. So, those that, that are kind of the picks that I, I really like. Well, that's just, just a, on, a really let's...
0: sensible pick, a 21 year old defensive tackle who's, you know, a good run player because you need that, right? And um, you see what he develops into. I mean, he's, I like his motor. Like, yeah. just at Ohio State, he had a good motor, though, too. You know for what I mean? Sure. Listen, I mean, the problem with Schwartz right now is I don't know that he can get to the game day active roster. Right. Um, but that's okay for me right now. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, the, ideally, if he gets three touches a game, and that kind of speed can change the game. And you're right; it's all about making the safeties and linebackers say, "When this guy's on the field, like we, ha- it should open things up." And and we know Stefanski's really good as a play designer. It should be even better in the second year when guys know each other and there are more options. I mean, Diamond People's Jones is the fourth receiver on this team right now, Dre. Like, he's right. really good. Right. <laughs> and should be even better in a second year, knowing what the hell's going on. Right. Like, yeah, it's a loaded team. It is a flat-out loaded team. And winning the division is absolutely a realistic expectation. Winning the division, I'll continue to say, is absolutely a necessity because you're, you are know, you can win one road playoff game in January. You can't realistically win multiple, you know? No. Um, getting that home game would, would burn the city to the ground in the middle of an ice storm in January. That would be mm-hmm. fine, too, right? Um, like... Let's see what happens, but the Browns are darn near as good as anybody. And, you know, look across the league. The story of the league is ageless Tom Brady goes and they win it and they bring back all 22 of their starters. The next story of the league, and stories don't win, is the Browns from 20 years of shit to this. So can they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs right now? No, but they don't have to play him today on on May 3rd they're going to play them once in the regular season and that's a big deal win or lose right and then they'll know exactly what it looks like cuz they also play the ravens twice like they're run by smart people their best players are still young they're addressing they're, they're making obvious moves in the off season and everybody every 32 teams love their draft today right the browns drafted really well
1: Except, uh, who's the team that took this Weaver kid from Pitt? Oh, oh the wow. Titans. Who does well, the their The Titan- Titans is back-to-back years. The Titans have done this. Dude. They got the Browns from tw- 2000 doing their selections.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> the Jeremiah Farms Award to- ghost. <laughs> yeah,
1: the Jeremiah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like why Rashard Weaver was charged with assault in the complaint. The complaint notes that Weaver who went to the university of Pittsburgh stated to other officers on scene that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it. Yeah. Hey, let's go. Let's go select him in the fifth round.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, what the, how does that happen? Well, listen, the Browns didn't like this edge rush class. And there's a reason, right? Yeah. Like you're mm. not going to get everything. You're not going to get everybody. And, and I still, you know, I wonder like I look at these moves and I, I wonder if they're minimizing grand Delpit with the JOK thing and then draft another safety later. Right. Um, I wonder what happens, you know, in this defensive line, like your seems to me, you're putting a lot on Elliot who didn't do squat in his rookie year and a lot on Billings who didn't play at all last year. Right. right. Um We'll see. We'll see what happens. Like they
1: love Jacob Phillips. Uh, they, I like know. Jacob Phillips from what I saw. I don't know him knowing, but what I saw, I could see why you like him yeah. big and fast, I, you know, and big and fast. So look, they're good guys. Um, enjoy it,
0: and we'll see. We've all been telling you high expectations beat the alternative. We've been telling you you'll know when you're when you're about to be there, and they're there. And I don't know, you know, what's going to happen with any of these extensions and how they're going to handle it because there's just no precedent for how they're going to do it.
1: Right. But they're
0: in a in a two year window here because that real realistically you can't keep an offensive line together much much longer than that. You know, they're in a two-year window with Miles in his prime and Denzel in his prime and that offensive line where they're going to go for it.
1: So can I do some rapid fire with you real quick? Yeah. Let me do a rap and then we'll get out of here. Other thing, before we get to our rapid fire, and if you want rapid fire for our next podcast, maybe we'll do another one towards the end of this week. Um, dude, I like, I kind of like the DM and me stuff and, and i throw it back to Zach. We can do that. He probably won't accept your DM. So just do it with me because that's how he is. But for, before we do the rapid fire, I'm going to say it's brought to you by the wreck to connect foundation. Do they sponsor anything? No, but it keeps me fed and keeps my wife happy. <laughs> um, coming up, coming up on June 10th, 2021 for you golfers. They were having a shotgun start for the wreck to connect inaugural Golf outing. I got to get Zach out there. We're going to be at Little Mountain Country Club. May have a couple Indians out there. Uh, I talked to Josh Cripps before we did this podcast. He will be out there. You can join us for a round of golf and dinner at beautiful Little Mountain Country Club. I'm trying to get my boy to wear pink pants. Not you. You know who I'm talking about. You see him on TV every day. Uh, Doing the, the golf show. I'm talking about my man, man Jimmy Hanlon. Um, Should be fun. It's going to be fun. Socially distance events will raise funds for Rectic Connect to provide invaluable recreational and aquatic therapy to individuals with disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. Uh, they have a variety of sponsorship opportunities, raffles and surprise guests. You can register your foursome for the event for five hundred dollars or as an event sponsor. Uh, you can go to my it's at secure dot. It's got too much on here. Go to Rectic Connect uh, Foundation dot org and it'll be there or just tweet me and I'll give you the information. But. If you want to be a part of it, let us know. It's an off day for the Indians. Hopefully Rick and Matt and myself will be out there. Cribs will be out there. We may have a couple other people. I'm trying to get Zach to come. Uh, It should be a fun day, just of uh, playing golf, nice dinner afterwards, socially distanced, get away from the office if you even go to the office anymore. But here's some rapid fire on the NFL draft that we'll do with Zach Jackson. Make sure you check him out at The Athletic and make sure you tell Jason Lloyd, I love him to pieces, but I hate his article. Don't say that because I haven't even read it yet. Um. I'll start with this. These are off the top of my head. Rapid fire. And I'm just curious of what you think. Will Aaron Rodgers be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers on the opening day of the NFL? No. Woo.
0: Really? Yeah. I just, I think it's beyond repair. I think he's one of the few guys that
1: carries that kind of weight. Um, But he does this backwards, Zach. And I love Aaron Rodgers. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. But you got to be a man and just step up and say, let me go and stop pussyfooting around it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I thought he was handling it great until the, the last few <laughs> days. We, right. we even talked about it, what, two podcasts ago? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah um, you're right. But, like, if that guy says he's not going to play, then gotta I – Got
1: to let him go. Got to let, <laughs> go. let him go. Got to let him go if you don't want to be there. that's And gentlemen that are listening to this podcast, hear us out on this. You cannot force anyone – to be with you in a relationship, even if they stay in the relationship with you, it's going to be a terrible relationship and it's never going to work and they're going to cheat on you well, and hurt you. Another thing Chiefs.
0: here, too, like, guys, like, the Browns are good and they're going to be good. They're not going to be 16-1 and because that's the NFL, right? But, like, you just see sometimes things go your way and sometimes don't. Like, they play at Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers is there, that's that's a loss, right? Right. At least when you sit and talk about it in circle, and obviously anything can happen. Yeah. If Jordan loves the quarterback, that's a road win road wins are valuable road wins are how you win division titles and play at home in January. So <laughs> you see like all these things matter for sure.
1: Yes. Great point. All right. Another rapid, rapid fire, Justin Fields. Um, kudos to the bears for drafting him the way he did. And and what do you expect? Because the thing I, I'm happy for the kid and my dad kind of said it best. He goes, I just don't see the fit. He goes, and I go, well, dad, what quarterback do you see fitting with Chicago? And he looked at me and he goes, that's a good point. <laughs> Just, like, I go. Jim McMahon is the last quarterback that fit in Chicago. Just yeah, your thoughts on um, that's where he ended up.
0: No, I like it. Look, the guy was going to get fired if he didn't get a quarterback. Um, you know, we'll see how, how how they handle it, how ready he is, and how ready they can get him. But I I think it's a good I think it's a good fit. I think he can revitalize the franchise. Um, Bears at Browns rookie quarterback home game game you got to win if you're gonna win the division
1: there you go there you go that's why we have him won here um there was another one I wanted um what did you think of the Steelers going running back in the first round
0: I was shocked honestly um you know they think Najee's a special guy on and off the field but like I have a rule if the guy's not Nick Chubb you can't draft him in the first round and I don't think Najee's Nick Chubb
1: hmm Nazi's pretty damn good, bro. I, here's what I would say back he's to that. He's not Nick Chubb. Uh, let me. Here's what I would say back to that. Um, I love the draft pick, but I would have loved if they went and got an offensive line. They, they're, they're, their, their problem is their offensive line and their offensive mindset. I think the kid from Kentucky is a good running back. Not better than Nazi. Because that's the thing. You can have a decent enough run game without having the guy that Cleveland has. And you know I love Nick Chubb. The problem the Steelers have is their theory of how they've gone about running that offense in my opinion. Um, But I get what you're saying. And, but, and I still think, I think running backs and I know people don't agree, Running The the right running back can go in the first round. Nick Chubb should have went in the first round. Sean Wade going to Baltimore. Perfect situation. In my opinion. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Um, For him. No doubt.
1: Like, there is such,
0: after really the first 20 guys, there's such a clump of players who are so close talent-wise, mm-hmm. and it comes down to how do they fit you, how risk-averse are you, how risk-averse do you need to be, right? Um, you know, how do you size things up? And the Ravens, to take a big, fast DB like that, who could play multiple spots, put him in the room where there's, there's veterans and, yep. you know, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, like – I think Sean Wade now has a, has a chance to have an NFL career. And Me too. we know the talent is there for him to have a plus NFL career. So, I, yeah, I think
1: for him it couldn't have worked out any better. I'm doing this for my dad. He was excited about Micah Parsons until I told him what Micah Parsons did uh, to be suspended at one time. And then he cringed and said, well, looks like he's a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just going to nod and go with your dad on that one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I start reading what happened about that. I was like, "You need me to keep going?" He was like, "Nah, I get the point." <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I mean, he has the look, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, for sure. I, I, the Cowboys yeah. are interesting to me, Dre, because that all they are loaded on offense still. You know, they, they missed their left tackle last year, and then the defense was a disaster beyond repair. So, you know. Can that that offense like get back to clicking and just with a little bit of good blocking and then you play a little bit of decent defense and you're there you win the division like anybody can win that division right, right. um or, or, or there are there just big rotten cultural issues there and despite having all these good players they're they're not going to win i I don't know that answer
1: that's a great question and the winner of the draft more than anybody else, Zach Wilson's mom. <laughs> getting no comment. Man, you're getting old and boring. I know. This has been an A to Z podcast. Yeah, I am getting old, dude. Uh, years ago, you'd have a Zach Wilson jersey already, but yeah.
0: No, uh, I don't know about that. Um, the Jets are interesting. You know, they, they had a lot of picks. I think they people didn't really want to trade up for a guard, but they did because they need to help out the quarterback. Hang on a second. Talk for a minute.
1: No, okay, I can talk for a minute. He's right about the Jets. I'm not big about what the Jets did. I will say this also, though, about the Ravens. I like the receiver. Like, and I make fun. I made fun of Zach for bringing this up. They seem to draft, sign three wide receivers every year to figure out what works with Lamar Jackson. They may have found the guy that fits with Lamar Jackson this time. Uh, but we'll see. I think that's, you know, that's up in the air Yeah, as you know,
0: well. I totally get what you're saying and, and what he is physically. I just, I was surprised by that pick. Um, I know. To me, I just, I thought that was a little early for him. And I thought the Ravens would wait on wide receiver. So, we'll
1: but see. They, that, listen, but see, we said this with the Browns, though, too. When you're that far along, is you know what I mean? Like, when you're building, you can't take that risk. But they're already built,
0: right? Yeah, uh, I guess what I'm saying is the Ravens are a really good organization, and they obviously draft really well. But their their track record of drafting receivers is the exact opposite of the Steelers' track record of drafting, no drafting
1: receivers. No so, doubt.
0: So, I have more than a little skepticism. All right, uh, things going mad here. I got to go. Um,
1: <laughs> All right, shouts <laughs> to, Steve, of-
0: <laughs> to Honeymoon Grill to American Fireworks. Always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Thanks for you guys for listening. It is early in the week. Maybe we'll get another one in. We appreciate it. As Dre said, if you got topics, you got questions, fire them to us. Um, we always love it. We love doing it. We love you know getting together and BSing and laughing and having the energy. And when you guys send us notes that it, that it makes your work day go faster or it picks you up in a dark time or it just gets you through a run or a walk or whatever it is, it does mean a lot to us. So thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, and
1: we'll talk to you soon. Konnichiwa to Zach Jackson's youth. Peace. <laughs> I hate your fucking guts. <laughs>